Welcome to this episode of the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. It's March, and I'm pumped. NCAA tournament right around the corner, conference tournament starting this week, and this is the first episode of a series of podcasts that we're going to do that are upset-minded. We're going to be talking to mid-major coaches that have their teams in position to potentially make the NCAA tournament, and once they get there, they are going to have an opportunity to take down a bigger opponent. And we're going to start today with Lamar head coach Robin Harmony. The program she's built at Lamar, if you haven't noticed, is pretty remarkable. She took over in short order, turned that thing around. With the exception of one year, they've been at the top of their conference and have been 20-plus wins the last few seasons. This year, they're sitting at 23-5, and 16-1 in conference. Robin was a fantastic player herself at the University of Miami, Florida, and then started her head coaching career at the NAIA level. So we'll talk to her about all those things, talk about what makes her Lamar team so special. They have the all-time leading NCAA steals leader on their team, and they have a kid that hit 13 threes in a game this year. So they're pretty good. We're going to get on the phone right now, and we'll be right back. This is The Jump Round. And welcome back to the Jump Around. And joining me, as promised, it is Lamar head coach, Robin Harmony. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us towards the end of the season. You guys have uh, you guys have been pretty darn spectacular, so I really appreciate you, you taking the time for me. Oh, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, any press we can get, we're looking forward. And, you know, we want to get Lamar out there and let people know where we're at and what we've done and try to stay on the map yeah well you guys have done something pretty special but before we get into your team and we we certainly will because there's a lot to cover uh, I want people to to get to know you a little bit uh, because back in the day when you were still when you were still uh, suiting up you had a heck of a career at Miami Florida Um, when you go back to your time playing at Miami you score over a thousand points you had the all-time single game assist record for a long time as well uh, what would you? What did you envision when you finished playing? When you graduate from Miami, what did you envision you, you were going to do with your life after that? Well, I, I guess what I always knew I wanted to really coach. So, you know, was that's the best way to make a living is go to go to work, play basketball, do something <laughs> that you love. Uh, my college coach was Lynn Dunn, and if anybody knows who that is, <laughs> obviously, you know, she's very popular in women's basketball. Yeah. But it was like a clinic every day, you know, so you just knew like, hey, this is what I want to do because she was so good at it. And you learned, you know, for four years, it was like being at a basketball clinic. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to be a coach. Do you have any fun Linda Dunshury stories that you'd be willing to dispel? Uh, to oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we, we had a good time with her. <laughs> You know, um, she's still the character that yes. she was then. She really worked us hard and, you know, made us appreciate the game. But it, it was just so many things. It just was never a dull moment. <laughs> you know, every day of practice we would laugh and, you know, have a good time and obviously work hard. And, you know, there's just a million stories. And then I was fortunate enough to coach with her, at, you know, for two years. I graduated from from Miami. I went to Europe and played for a year. And then she called me and said, hey, do you want to be my assistant? So I was like, yeah, of course. So I stopped playing basketball, 
and work with Lynn, and I'll tell you, she would come in, you know, the yellow paper, the legal paper, oh, yeah. she would come in every day with a list for me to do. And, I mean, there was 25 <laughs> items on that list, you know, handed to me, then we'd go do practice. You know, and back then, we didn't have the same computers and you know, it was all cold call on the phone, yeah. make reservations, call this recruit, call that recruit. And, you know, she taught me a lot about delegating and having good assistance and, and keep them busy and make them, you know, make you better. Yeah. So, you know, she, she was just a type of coach. And then she left and went to Purdue when I was going to go with her. And at the end, um, she decided to keep her assistance and I was going to go with the, a GA. But by then, I already had house payment car payment so I really needed to, to work and plus I didn't want to go back and get my master's just yet and um, you know so I went and met Fern Labadi at Fairland Dickinson and coached with her for a year and then she got the job back at Miami and you know the rest is history. <laughs> yeah very fortuitous how that worked for you ended up back at Miami and you spend 18 years there uh, on staff as an assistant and the associate head coach. Uh, once, uh, once that run was over in 2005 I mean by all means, it, it appeared you you were quite content just hanging out in Coral Gables for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> what uh, once once you do uh, you end up going, and not that you went too terribly far, which we'll get into. But uh, once you stepped away from Miami, was that was that a difficult time in your life at all? Well, I mean, yeah, it was. But you know, I had offers to be an assistant coach again back at the D level, but the D one level. But it was just like every time I went to apply for a job. ADs would be like, no, you don't have experience. So you need to get head coaching experience. So I decided, no, I'm not going to go as an assistant. And I started an NAIA program up at St. Thomas University, which was still in Miami. So I didn't have to move. And, you know, it was six years, seven years total, but six having a team. And had the first year to recruit and build my team. And we didn't have a gym for two years. We had 20 wins each year. And you know, obviously won four championships and went to the national tournament. And, you know, from that, I was able to get the job at Lamar. Yeah, I was going to ask, though, about St. Thomas. You start a program from scratch, and you go 131 and 48 and 50 and 7 in conference. How the heck do you start with absolutely nothing and build a dominant program just with a snap of your fingers? Well, it was just really, you know, if you don't have the recruits, if you don't have the great players – it doesn't matter if you're a good coach or horrible coach, you win with players. Yeah. And, you know, I was fortunate to have the year to be able to recruit and just bring in players. And sometimes it was transfers that, you know, were out there and needed a spot. And, uh, you know, we just put it together. But we had Cindy Castrone, who was probably our best player. And she was in our Southland Conference at that time and went to Southeastern and was there for a year and wasn't happy. And then she wanted to come back home to Miami. She was the one that we, we built our program on. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it worked, <laughs> safe to say. And uh, you you end up getting the, the Lamar job. And uh, it, the program was definitely not in a bad place. Larry Tidwell was there and did a, a really nice job with it. But you really took it and, and really kept kind of pushing it along. You go 18 and 13 your first year. And other than year three, which you guys took a dip, you've been over 500 you went twenty-two and six last year, seventeen and one this year. I told people in the open, you're twenty-three and five, sixteen and one in conference. Uh, what has, how has it been for you? I mean, you go from NAIA to to D one, and like you said, it's it is about players ultimately. But how have you been able to keep the the Lamar train rolling and really kind of pushing it to the next level? Well, 
Well, I mean, Larry Kidwell was a legend, you know, and he is still a legend in Texas, so there were really big shoes to fill, not only in our community, because, you know, when he left, everybody was obviously sad and missed him, and he just was very popular. So for me, for that first year, I had to beat down a lot of doors and say, yeah, but I didn't fire Larry. Larry left on his own. I, you know, I, I kind of had to put yeah. band-aids on things. And, yeah. You know, it also took us a year to be able to recruit in the state of Texas because the AAU programs, the high schools, they're really tight-knit. And if you're not a Texan or you're not from Louisiana or you didn't play in the Southland Conference, it was tough. But we were lucky enough to get Chastity Bars the second year. And, you know, she opened doors for us then in Texas. As soon as we won a championship, Everybody was like, okay, we must, you know, let this Yankee have a chance to get some of our recruits, I guess. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, and then yeah. we went from there. You have talked in the past about um, you've referred to yourself when you were a player as a mean player. You've said, I I wish some of my players were as mean as me sometimes. And uh, not to suggest Chassie is or isn't, but uh, the all time leader in steals in NCAA history, I mean, could you have when you when you took her? Did you did you ever imagine that she would be uh, the level of player that she that she's turned out to be? No, she was just a great athlete when we got her, and then she really worked her game and became you know well rounded. She wasn't a great shooter, you know. She just worked on that. She was always in the gym. We knew that she could play defense and she had quick hands and quick feet. Um, but, you know, now the game has changed since when I played. When I played, it was physical, and you could bump cutters. You could just about do anything. And no blood, no foul. And <laughs> I always had that philosophy that you get four fouls in the fifth one, you're out, and you better make them count. You know, and it was just, you know, that time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, someone who is a pretty good shooter that's on your team, uh, Mo Kennard, Uh I don't even know how to... Uh, really explained 13 three-pointers and 58 points in a game. I mean, uh, pre- pretty remarkable. And unfortunately, you guys lost the game, so I know it kind of takes a, a little bit of a, a bitter taste to it. But uh, at what point in that game, or, or did you at some point in that game look around and kind of go, holy crap, guys, I think we're seeing something pretty historic here? Yeah, I didn't know how many threes she had. I, I coached a girl at, at St. Thomas, and... She had 12 threes, and she broke an NAIA record, and it was on the road, at, at and they were actually cheering for her, the, the other fans. <laughs> but with, with Mo, you know, we got Mo on the back end, because at first she went to Houston, hmm. then didn't like it, and transferred, and obviously we knew her high school coach, Jeremy Bowen, and he called us first, and we were like, on it. The next day, we had her committed. Wow, And she has really grown in her game as well because she matured, she works so hard, she loves to shoot. And even on Saturday, she struggled for the first two or three minutes. I took her out of the game because I kind of figured out how to coach Mo. Sit her down, say, Mo, relax, just keep shooting, it'll go in, Mm -hmm. no worries. Before we used to yell at her, like, come on, Mo, laugh. And she can take it, she's tough, but... She just went in again, and she just can shoot the ball, and she's so strong, and, you know, she has a really good mind for the game, and, you know, kids like that help you win, and it, it's it's them. They're the reason. Well, you talk about kind of changing how you, how you coach her. Uh, I'm curious, how have you uh, evolved over your time as a head coach from, from St. Thomas to Lamar? What, in what ways have you developed and grown the most? Well, I think that you have to change with the times. With the millennials now, they, 
don't want you to really correct them. They want to make sure that they're involved and they have input. Um, you know, they want to hear all good things. So you mentally, you have to figure out what it takes to get each kid motivated. You know, some kids, you do have to yell at them. Other kids, you have to bring them in. It's also one-on-one, you know. So it, it's really just about figuring out what motivates kids, what they like, what they don't like. You know, they don't really like to communicate verbally. They like to text message. They like to do all kinds of, you know, so me as a little bit old school coach, I had to change my style, which I'd come in and yell and go crazy. And now I'm calm. Yes, if they make a mistake, you put them on the line, they have to run. And you have to keep them accountable. Otherwise, they'll, you know, they'll run you. But <laughs> they, they know that we'll help them. We'll do whatever they need us to do off the floor. But when it comes to in between the lines, then we can push them a lot harder than we could because they know we care about them, because they know, you know, coach has been there for me. And, you know, that's what makes you win. What was it about Lamar that made you believe you you could win? Uh, You know, when you take that team over, what what is it that made you decide to to go after that and, and run with that one? Well, my friends had bets whether I would leave Miami or not, the area. And they said, you'll get the job, but you won't take it. And I'm like, what do you mean it won't take it? Because you don't want to leave Miami. I said, well, watch and see. So when I came down for my visit, saw the area of Beaumont, I saw the gym. And when I walked into that gym, I said, okay, I can recruit kids here. Because the gym is a 10,000-seat arena. It's beautiful. It's right on campus. And it just, I just smiled like, give me this job. And I can guarantee you I'll get some recruits to come here. You know, we brought the pool kids from Florida, you know, and then we got into Texas and we went, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi, and we were lucky to Louisiana and we were lucky to, you know, just pull some really good players in. And now, you know, we're putting ourselves on the map that, that Chaz and Mo, they have made us for the next time that we'll be able to pull that bigger recruit in and continue the tradition. If they wouldn't have done what they did, it would have just been, you know, four years, bam, done. But I think that we're drawing the players now that are going to help us continue to go to that next level, breaking into mid-major, top 25. It makes a big difference for us nationally. Her has a steel record, Um, you know, all kinds of things, turnovers that we do as a team. Um, You know, so we've been there nationally. It's just that we have to get that exposure and, we got to get the NCAA tournament because we haven't been yet. And we go to the KD and our kids are young or we have bad luck and the ball bounces wrong. And, you know, we got to get that bag off of our backs because it's getting heavy to carry. Yeah, well, that was my next question is that you guys have done everything you could possibly want to do except make the NCAA tournament. And I was wondering how if it kind of bothered you. And so it sounds like it, it does a little bit. <laughs> Well, absolutely, because I know what it's like to go to the tournament. The NCAA does such a good job. The experiences that you never forget as a player or a coach, I want kids to have that experience. Yeah. Well, you guys, this... Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So you just got to get them ready, and they got to do it. Well, I was just going to say, like, with your with your schedule to this year, I mentioned you have five losses, and if people don't know, you lost to Mississippi State, which we'll, we'll go ahead and count that as a, a good loss. Uh, you lose to Dem- yep. Denver, who's having a really good turnaround year, uh, Ohio, who's a top-ten mid-major team, Kansas State, and then you lost 
um, in your conference to Stephen F. Austin, who's another team who who will be competing for that championship this year. But you beat Texas A&M, you've beaten everybody else. So, I mean, by all accounts, just from outside looking in, I have I just imagine you have to be really, really pleased with what you guys have done this year. Definitely happy. We beat Pacific, who was a top 50 school. We haven't lost at home for three years, so it's 41 games that we've been, wow. you know, come to the Montaigne Center, it's tough to get a W. It's also tough to schedule because no one wants to come here and play us. <laughs> sure. And, you know, so we have set ourselves up even every year to play great teams to see what it's like. If we do go to the NCAA tournament, that it won't be such a shock to us. But, you know, our kids, they're going to get all kinds of accolades. There's a good chance that Chaz could be player of the year, defensive player of the year, you know, all kinds of things. First teamers with Mo and Chaz, maybe freshman of the year with Maya Crump, who's a great player from Houston, uh, from Yates High School. They're going to have the hardware on them. So we have to just say it's a continuation of our season. Most teams go into the conference tournament and they maybe not played well, and they can go in zero and zero. Well, we don't want to go in zero and zero. We want to go in, you know, with our record and say it's just another game. It's a team to be played. Hmm. Don't make such a big deal out of it. Just do it, you know. And it's we get them prepared. We're trying to keep them calm. We do everything different that we can think of. Just like the Stephen F. Austin game at home, you know. Obviously, we didn't sleep for nights getting ready for that because yeah. that makes our or breaks our season. If we would have lost that game. We'd have been second place, you yeah. know. And it would have been a big tough job to turn it around to to have to go to Katie and and get an upset and win, you know. So. These kids just need to stay focused and look at it as another game. No big deal. We already know these players. And then when we get to the answer of double tournament, we can change our mindset. Because then we've known we play quality teams that we're going to play. Yeah, do you guys approach, I was wondering, like going into the season even, how do you guys approach goal setting? Do you guys talk about, hey, we want to win the Southland? Or do you, do you look at it in kind of smaller increments? No, we pretty much break it down and say we're going to bring regular season and we want to go to the NCAAs and win the tournament and go to the NCAA tournament and definitely post to the play. Um, but all the other accolades, we don't even think about that. We just know that if we play our brand of basketball, that these kids are going to be successful and we're going to press you when you come off the bench, off the bus, and you know just really make it happen because that's part of my philosophy is hang our hat on defense and we're going to just make it really hard for you and we're going to wear you down. And, you know, so it's really up to our kids. We're going to get them ready. We're going to stay calm and they just got to go perform. Yeah. What uh, has over the course of your career as a player, as a coach, uh, is there any time that's really stuck out uh, um, above the rest of them as, as special moments or as uh, any, any kind of, I don't know if highlight, if you'd use that word, but, uh, just what are some of the biggest highlights for you over your, the course of your career? Because you've just had so many different ones from so many different spots. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think as, you know, as a player, we won Lynn, game, Lynn died a lot of games. She was like 800 was her you know, winning record with us. So we always wanted to make sure we won. And it was back where it was still AIAW and then one year of NCAAs. And we, we did well and we won there, and, you know, special moments where you win the – they used to have a challenge. It was like the Florida Challenge. We, everybody would be in the one area, and we play each other, like the tournament for the state championship, I guess it was back then. And then in college, uh, as a coach, I guess it would be winning Vicky's championships 
And we were the only team up until a few years ago that beat UConn six times. And then then Notre Dame came in and broke that record. You know, so it's just a big win. And we were ranked sixth in the nation in 92. Um, Fern Labadi was the the um, coach of the year in the nation. We were sweet 16. And that year we were really good. We, we lost our first game of the year to Florida State. And we lost our, our last game to Vanderbilt. And, you know, we went 30 and, and two and ranked sixth in the nation. Just those kind of times that, you know, kids win and they win championships. One really great story is we won the Big East Championship at UConn. The following year it was at Providence, and they stayed all in the same hotel. And we look out the window, Fern Labadi and I, and we're just meeting about the game coming up. And we have three of our kids out there in the snow on the rooftop <laughs> with shovels. And they're shoveling in the parking lot back-to-back Big East champs before we won. And we're like, no, doing? The other team saw that same scene that we did, and they all got dressed and went outside, and they tried to take it and rush it away. By the time they got down there, it already froze into the, the, oh. into the road. And we were like, guys, we didn't even play yet. You're going to do this? But I'll tell you what, that team showed up and and did the job because we had Francis Savage who was an All-American and we had great players too and but you know as a coach you just want to keep it on the down low you don't want to give it <laughs> yeah, to any yeah, absolutely. Not our kids. <laughs> that's an amazing you know, story oh yep. that's they got great. shovels from the valet and and it wasn't just like you know their feet making it no it was a wide you know 24 inch shovel did it and oh. by the time they had it all done back to back biggest camps there in ice that's incredible and i appreciate anyone that's willing to talk and then back it up i i how can you how can you hate on that right yeah that's it that oh, was them and you know that was great. the time of the the kids and they they talk to talk and walk it for sure yeah that's uh that's good stuff uh what uh i, I just got two more for you but what is um for you, what ultimately is your goal um, uh, with Lamar? What what do you think uh, your program can become? I know you talked about top twenty five, mid major, and stuff, but what what do you think the ceiling is for your program? I think it's you know I think that we can be in the top twenty five you know regular and just as long as you keep winning and knocking play you know people off you know and we get the talent to come in here and everything that Chaz has done, Mo has done. You know, winning three championships in six years, it's helping us draw that talent. You know, and once we get the talent, if those kids continue to work hard, I think that we can even do better than we have. And, you know, it's just keep improving and, you know, make sure you graduate your kids, make sure they're happy. And, you know, they're going to be going, do great things with their life. What is, and this this is my last one, I'll get you out of here on this, but what for you, what is... um, this is, a, I guess, a deeper question, and probably dropping on this, dropping this on you is probably unfair. But when you're done coaching, what's the legacy that you want to leave? What What do you want to accomplish? What do you, when you walk away, what do you want to be said about you, so that when you do leave, you can go, okay, yep, I did it right. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Well, I, I guess it's that that your kids are happy. You know that you've coached. It's not really the wins and losses. You know, do they have happy lives? Yeah. You know, simple. Yeah. Well, when I walk away, I want to go to the Keys and go fishing, 
kayaking, jet ski, happy hour, and watch it on TV and be the one that, you know, you never make a mistake when you're sitting in the stands watching the game. <laughs> That's right. I'm always, I always have the right answers then. That's right. You know, and it, it's just about that, that everybody is, is in a good place and they're happy about where they're going to be and their kids and their family and their jobs and, you know, be, be happy, happy and healthy. Well, you certainly have done uh, an excellent job over the course of your career, and uh, this year might be the one where you guys break through and, and get into the tournament. And, and again, you're on because I'm telling people to be forewarned. If you see Lamar in the bracket, don't just brush through whoever they're playing. They're, they're a good team. They can score in bunches and uh, has had a great year, 23-5, and 16-1 in the Southland Conference. They will finish up their regular season against McNeese State on the 9th and then head over to Katy for the Southland Conference Tournament. But, Coach, thanks so much for taking some time today to share about you and your program. I really appreciate it and wish you guys all the best of luck going the rest of the way. Well, thank you, Blake, and thank you what you do for women's basketball. It makes a big difference. Well, I appreciate Robin Harmony and her kind words so Lamar University keep an eye on them certainly a team that uh they'll be a force for sure thank you for listening to the jump around whether it's your first time or you've listened to every episode SoundCloud Google Play iTunes Spotify wherever you listen it's appreciated if you listen on iTunes and can leave a rating and a review that is also appreciated you can find me on Twitter at Blake Dudonis and until next time this is the jump around